So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to So What. Today we're back. Still in the Christmas season, still doing all the things. We're in our Back to Basic series. But before we dive into that, I have more Christmas questions. Let's go. I love Christmas. So, are you guys Christmas lists person? Like, do you send a link to all the gifts that you want? Or are you a surprise me person? Because there are two very distinct camps. Yeah, I, about middle of October, I start compiling a notes page on my phone (laughs) of the exact things I want and the links underneath them. Because everyone always asks you, and I'm not the person that's like, I don't know what I want for People Christmas. People have to give you receipts when they give you presents, don't they? <laughs> they they know. I'm like, oh, you? You're probably in this price range. I'll send you this link. Oh, my gosh. I just <laughs> I make it very easy for everyone around me. <laughs> Some would say high maintenance shopping, but you make it very easy. I want to get what I want. <laughs> I don't like, I don't. I'm probably neither one. I don't really. I don't really. No, here, here's what I would say. So one of my love languages is gifts, but like I like to get people very specific gifts that I know they will love. And so giving people a list seems very unloving because they don't have to think about it. Like, mm-hmm. and so it's a weird thing for me because like I'm very hard to buy for because the older you get, the harder you are to buy for. So I guess now it's probably more of just like an Amazon wish list that I begrudgingly send to my wife and mother-in-law and just so mm-hmm. anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I like a good surprise gift if it's a good gift. Yeah. <laughs> if it's like, hey, they, this was really thoughtful. That means way more than a list. That's how I am too. Mm. I hate giving lists and I hate gift cards. My family's always like, give me a list and like, what kind of gift cards do you want? And I'm like, no. I was like, just pick out something that you like. I'll like it as long as there's thought put into it. If I'm gonna, so if, I know if, I'm the, if I'm I'm getting the gift worst cards, to buy for. I'm aware. It's uh, for groceries and for gas and so any utilities that we may be paying. That's really the only gift cards I need right listen, now. Listen, listen. <laughs> like this OG&E, like do they give like gift cards? <laughs> exactly. Asking for a friend, just asking. The older I get, the more I'm like, gas gift cards. That's nice. I drive a truck now. It's very expensive to fill oh, yeah. up. Oh yeah. So love it. So today and all of the Christmas season, all the wanting, all the things, we're kind of going to talk about contentment. So contentment is something that for me, I'm not going to lie, I kind of squinch my nose at. I don't really like the idea of commitment. Not, mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. What? Okay. So we're going to change change directions here. No. Paige, Verbatim, why, don't you, why don't you unpack Paige's that for us? quote is, I don't like commitment. <laughs> no. Where do you need to start that back? Where even? I mean, I don't. That's true. But that's another topic. That was amazing. <laughs> I tried. I almost said it the first time too. I tried so hard. Okay. Reel it back. I'm like, oh, laugh crying. Here we go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to redo that whole today we're talking about contentment because that was tough we actually brought one of your ex-boyfriends <laughs> in here let's talk <laughs> which one? Oh gosh I don't like commitment oh my god anyways okay so we're just going to bop back reset <laughs> okay uh, today we're talking about contentment and if you're like me, your nose kind of scrunches at that idea because I think I was always told, like, be content, be content, be content. And in the society that we grow up in, that's just not the norm. That's not what people do. That's not kind of the baseline. It's always do more, better, faster, stronger. And so 
it's a word that gets tossed around in church a lot, either being content with what you have or being content in the Lord. And so I wanted to dive in a little bit on what that looks like and what the meaning of that is, especially as we're going into this Christmas season where it's so easy to focus on what we don't have, what we want, what we're expecting, what we're looking forward to. And so kind of diving in first, just blanket, what is commitment? (laughs) (laughs) That is again. Commitment is when you (laughs) stick to your word and whether through thick or thin, you stick with them. (laughs) (laughs) One more time. Wow. Wow. Okay. Mm. <laughs> this is awesome. This is not coming well. Ugly's been over. She's are not you crying? I think Ugly's crying laughing. Ugly, are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm ruining it. I don't think you're the one ruining it. Okay. Woo, we're back. Okay. <laughs> one more time. Okay. Okay. So I just kind of wanted to dive into a little bit on what is contentment. Contentment. Um, <laughs> you guys are both just losing it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you guys both look like you're crying. Well, yeah, I am crying. If somebody cuts in on this right this moment, it'd be like, what did Andy say? What did he do? He's making both of them cry. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were not live. Okay. Okay. I think I'm I missed you on my top eye list now. Here we go. You guys both look- <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway. I can't wait to watch this. Oh, I can. <clears throat> I can. Okay. You want to try it one more time? I think the third time's the charm. <sighs> okay. So the question I kind of want to ask today is, what is contentment? What do we mean by that? And just kind of defining our terms there. Yeah, that's a tough word. I mean, I think that um, you know, contentment, what comes to my mind immediately is being um, grateful for what you have. Maybe is, is is the way I would process that in my mind, is being grateful. It's not just being okay. It's being grateful for what you have because then that kind of squelches that, that need or desire to want more. It's mm-hmm. not just that you're okay with what you have, um, but you're actually grateful and recognizing that, hey, I, I could be a lot worse off. Um, and as an Enneagram six, I have that feeling a lot. Like, things could be worse, right? And I always plan for that. But I think contentment, probably this idea of of I have everything I need, and I'm grateful for that. That mm-hmm. that'd be my working definition of contentment. Yeah. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter what stage of life you are in, I think contentment is very much attainable. Um, but you know, it's it's always goes back to like what's your heart in this? Um, you could have little, you could have a lot. Um, but is my heart posture one of being open-handed that and, and thankful um, for what I do have, or is it consistently envious and desiring mm-hmm. more? So I, I agree with your definition. I think that's mm-hmm. great. A definition okay. that, that I found that I thought was interesting was um, happiness and satisfaction often because you have everything that you need. And so when I read that, mm-hmm. I paused. I was like, okay, what is our definition of what we need? Because I think that's really crucial in this topic of contentment and just kind of what do we think that we need in order to be happy or that we need in order to be satisfied and so for me I think what that looks like is just kind of where do we find that is it in things is it in material things or is it in the Lord and so I think that kind of changes our satisfaction if that well, yeah, sense. D- yeah figuring out the difference in your life between need and want is a very important distinction because a lot of things we want 
we we throw under the we need, mm-hmm. right? And so <clears throat> if everything that you want is also something that you need, well, that's a recipe for just constant discontent. Yeah. And so really making a fine line between or a defining line between need and want is probably a really good first step is what do I need mm-hmm. um, versus, man, that'd just be a nice to have. And so that might be a, a filter that we think through when we think contentment is like, is what I'm frustrated about, worried about, anxious about, mad about, is that a want or is that a need? Mm-hmm. And I think those are two very different things. I think it's a very American idea as well. Like mm-hmm. you take this idea in other parts of the world, they're going to answer those questions very differently because of what is around them, the culture they have. We have a very, like you said, <clears throat> do more, better, get more, achieve more culture. Um, and so, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. there's a very big difference between need and want. Well, and I was looking to just kind of looking through this, just kind of the idea of needs and wants and our ideas of always wanting more. And I was looking up stats because you know me, I'm Let's a stats go. girl. Stat. I love them. So I was looking up the holiday spending amount since we're kind of in that season of yeah. Americans, just Americans. Uh, last year it was $886.7 billion. Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Billion. Billion with a B. And so just kind of, I think it feeds that idea of we'd never feel like we have enough or that we have everything that we need. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, I think it's really hard to live in that culture and not buy into that idea. And so I looked over at Oakley's computer and she pulled up Matthew 6, which I really liked and kind of ties into this well. So would you mind reading it for us? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, we're talking about what we need. Um, and when I looked more at the the whole chapter, I was just thinking of one verse in particular in Matthew 6. But ironically enough, this verse is kind of uh, sandwiched in this chunk of the chapter uh, that is with a subtitle, Do Not Be Anxious. And the verse is, um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you in uh, verse 33 of chapter 6. But I think that that's such an interesting placement for that verse to be in this chapter that talks about not being anxious, you know, and, and if we think about, again, going back to the culture that we are in, in North America, um, how we are, I, I would venture to say, one of the most like anxious and restless societies, and yet probably one of the the most um, privileged, I guess, uh, one of the most prosperous in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, you know, it's interesting that those two things would kind of correlate that you would assume one would go down, then the other would go up if yeah. that was the case, you know, I have more, so I'm less anxious or I'm more anxious cause I don't have enough and I can't provide for myself. And, uh, and in all reality, you can be anxious no matter, like we talked about earlier, what you have or, um, your, your status in society, but nonetheless, the Lord still calls us to not be anxious, to lay those things down, to not worry about tomorrow and to trust him. And then at the very end saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You know, what are these things that he's talking about? What's going to be added to you if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God? If I don't have the things that I think that I need, what are the things that God promises to provide for me that he knows I need that are going to have eternal value rather than just earthly value? Um, and we can dive into that a little bit more, but I just, I thought that verse was very interesting, um, especially coupled with this idea of anxiousness with contentment and uh, all those things kind of wrapped into one. Well, I, th- I think that that's a really interesting verse because I think contextually it's interesting from the standpoint of what he says, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Like to me, those are needs. <laughs> like sure. we need to eat. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, hey, do not be anxious 
right? God, God's got you. But in verse 32, it says, for the Gentiles, the non-believers, right? Those who are, who are not God's people, they seek after all these things. And so insert things to mean really anything that we idolize, that we think will actually do something for us that it cannot do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christmas season or a season of life or a relationship status or a, a dollar amount in your bank account, that's what those who don't trust the Lord do. And so he's saying, hey, don't be anxious because those who, who chase after these things, they're chasing false idols. And that's really, I mean, I don't think that's too harsh a language. That's what they are. We are, we are we're worshiping a thing. And when I say worship, we're putting all of our hope in that. If I could just have that thing, then everything would be better. Mm-hmm. He says, no, instead, seek the Lord, trust him, and he will take care of all these things. He sees you, he knows you. And so this idea of contentment then comes back around like, okay, I can be content with what I have and where I am in life in this season of my life because God knows me and sees me and loves me and cares for me and he is going to take care of it. You know, it's that Romans 8, 28 that we always talk to with our young adults, like, hey, he will use everything, all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose that they might be conformed to the image of Christ. And so he's gonna use every, every season to conform us into the image of Christ. And in that, I can be content. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a struggle? Absolutely. <laughs> because we live in a world that just, I mean, they're peddling discontent. That's what commercials are. Yeah. If you just had this thing, then your life would be fine. If you just had you know, this beverage, you'd have a party at your house every time you drank it, you know, whatever. So our world is peddling discontent. They make money on discontentment. And that's why we struggle with it because it's just thrown in our face every day. Mm-hmm. So kind of going off of that, how do you think that social media has played a part in our discontentment? Because I think it's something that's pretty recent in the past 10 years. We've also seen a skyrocket of discontentment um, in recent societies. So like how are those correlated? And as a Christian, how do you think it's especially hard? I liked something that uh, referencing again, just that, that Taylor um, had talked about recently in Sunday school class about the the amount of uh, information we're intaking on a pretty consistent mm-hmm. basis that I think she equated like basically, you know, a, an hour or so of, of intake on social media, on the internet, on Google, whatever was going to be equivalent to like two months worth or something of, of newspaper, you know, our grandparents, yeah. yeah, of their intake or even our great grandparents. And so it's crazy the amount of intake, both socially, but then also just with the news and with things that are going on that we are consuming on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think that that can, um, of course, give us access in a great way to all different types of people, all different parts of the world. But uh, to our detriment, it can serve to remind us of the things that we don't yet have or the experiences mm-hmm. that we're not entertaining or the relationships that we aren't a part of. And uh, it can fuel envy, it can fuel jealousy, it can fuel, again, discontentment, um, just this idea that there's someone else out there, whether they're my age or, you know, they're they're even younger than me, that they're already doing this, this, and this. Well, I should be doing that with my life too. And uh, it can fuel a narrative that causes you to compare to someone else when God's never asked that of you. God's asked to take what you've been given from him and make the most of it for his glory so I think that that is a huge way that social media can uh, kind of cause us to devalue the experiences and the life that God has given us in the season that we are in currently. Yeah, and social media is just a highlight reel of the idols that we worship. <laughs> like, you know, if if you if you want more money, then 
what what are you going to naturally see on, on Instagram or whatever? You're going to see people with money, and you're going to see what they have and where they're going on vacation. You're going to equate that with money. If you know what we worship is uh, friend groups, then what we're gonna, we're going to see people that have a ton of friends and who have, are doing stuff all the time. And so, I just think that social media feeds feeds on discontent mm-hmm. because we all, I would say most people only post the highlights. And then we compare our lowlights or our just maybe just our average day with everyone else's highlights. And so it sets sets us up for discontent. Mm-hmm. And then I think going back to just for me, contentment, just it, contentment and idol worship are just they're they're two two things same or same thing, different word. Mm-hmm. Is it's just what do we think is going to satisfy? What is our hope in? And social media <laughs> You're, it, it, it's just going to highlight what you hope and what, where your, where your, uh, I don't know, your your contentment actually lies somewhere else other than Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you guys both hit on some really good points as well because I think often in the topic of contentment, it's very much materialistic. It's very financial. Mm-hmm. But there are so many different facets of our life where we can be discontent that are a little bit more sneaky. Whether that be like our job or our leadership roles, our relationships, our family, our house, our car, our careers, all of these things we're comparing to other people and their space for discontentment there. And so I like what you said, it just kind of goes back to where our priorities at, because if you're always chasing more of all of those things at best, you're going to hit a moving target. That's always going to change. And at worst, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of unhappiness. And so I just think it's really interesting how you have to almost make an active, you have to, not almost, you have to make an active switch in your brain that is going to be countercultural in order to experience the kind of contentment that Christ promises us. Well, and I think this is where we talk about that, that idea of we need to dis- disciple our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to, to dis- disciple our emotions. And so my mind just went to Psalm 23. Um, this very famous psalm, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. I grew up, I, I shall not want, right? Mm-hmm. He is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But in this CSB version, I have what I need. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? The shepherd provides, protects, feeds, cares for. And so ultimately, contentment is trusting and actively being obedient to the knowledge and discipling our thought process of the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one that will take, he sees me and he knows me. He will take care of my needs. Um, the timing of that need being met is up for discussion, right? That's where we like to kind of insert our authority over, well, this is my life, Lord. You need to do it, this, this. But I just love in the CSB versions, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the trust is in the shepherd. Mm-hmm. It is not in the the need. We trust the need, mm-hmm. that the need is accurate, that the need is actually true versus the shepherd is a good shepherd and he actually knows what is good, and he actually can work through mm-hmm. all things. So, mm-hmm. I just Psalm twenty three is, is just great. Like he lets mm-hmm. me, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths. So, the source of contentment for David in Psalm twenty three is not a situation. It is the Great Shepherd. It is the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, I think that contentment and and active trust in the Lord's sovereignty and goodness um, is where that contentment comes from. And I take a lot of comfort in, you know, Paul in, in Philippians 4, where he says, I have learned to be content. I mean, that's a lot. That's very comforting for me. Mm-hmm. There, it's not, there's no contentment switch. 
mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to be content now. It is a learned thing over time. And to me, what that learning process looks like is just constantly repenting, is turning from this, changing my mind about money, a relationship, a job, a title, a house, whatever it is, changing my mind, how I think, to what is true. And that is that the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. That's good. Reminds me of James 1.17, just somehow like God is the give of every good thing. Mm-hmm. And just kind of the idea that when we find him in the Lord, like we're not going to be lacking in other areas. Like we might be like if compare if we're um, playing the comparison game, but we have everything we need like in our soul. And I think for me, that took a really hard perspective switch because especially around and where we're like on our time that we're living in, you hear a lot of prosperity gospel. You hear a lot of things like, okay, well, like if you trust the Lord, you're going to get this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about here. Like that's not the idea of contentment and goodness from the Lord that we're talking about. It's that quietness in your spirit. It's that resting in the Lord and abiding in him. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and back to Paul in Philippians uh, 4, verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Meaning I've been poor and I have had a lot. He's, he's been on both sides of the spectrum. He says, in, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So just side note, Philippians 4.13 is not about your soccer game. It's not about <laughs> your, your you know athletic event. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so the, that, that inner strength that you're talking about is not from a circumstance. It is from the knowledge that God is good and that he is the good shepherd and that he will, he will he'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just rarely in our timing is what we, it, well, we have a problem with. And it's so comforting too, especially if you're looking at the longevity of the Christian walk because our circumstances change so frequently. They shift so much and everything, like Paul said, you can have a lot, you can have nothing. Our life always doesn't look kind of how we thought it would. It's just kind of the idea that contentment in Christ is unshakable and it's not dependent on our outside factors is really a comfort I think to me so kind of going off of that practically how what does it look like to cultivate contentment in our lives like what are some practical steps that we could take some habits we can integrate well I'm glad you asked this question because I have mastered this I have no (laughs) needs or wants (laughs) just kidding um And that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. That is just really, really hard. Um, I think there's really some good cliched answers that we could unpack right now. But it's 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 going to take time. I think um, just like Paul said, it is learned. It's a learned thing. And I don't think we ever get to a point where we're like, hey, we don't have to learn it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think we want to say, hey, I've checked that box. I'm now content in my life. But in every season, it changes. Like you're talking about like our circumstances change. Our, what we thought was going to happen isn't happening or whatever. And so I think to me, um, you know, cultivating probably gratitude is one, is instead of focusing on what I don't have, repenting from that, turning and changing my mind instead of like, what do what has God provided me, right? Starting with his son, Jesus, and, and my redemption and salvation, what else has he provided for me? Um, I think that helps um, turn the focus from negative to positive of you know, instead of looking at this through a lens of what I don't have, what what was God withholding from me? What has he given me Um, spiritually, physically, uh, monetarily, whatever it may be? Um, Because I think that that cultivation of of gratitude goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And I think 
gratitude, like you said, and commitment go really closely hand in hand, just because when you have a, a spirit that is thankful for the things God's given you, then there's a lot less room for you to be discontent with the things that maybe you don't have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember growing up, I was challenged all the time by my parents, you know, think of just like the five things you're grateful for even today, you know, or the 10 things you're grateful for and frame your mindset kind of on that. Um, and then we would talk about that, you know, like back at the dinner table or things like the mm-hmm. highs of the day and the things that we're grateful for. Um, and so now I can, I can find myself like trying to just focus my mind on that and oftentimes failing, but trying to just focus my mind on, even if it feels like I'm in the middle of this crazy storm, like what are the few things that I can at least see and acknowledge? And if I can't see anything, then I'm praying, God, give me the eyes to see it. Yeah, like, absolutely. What eyes, a great opportunity to just repent, right? Yeah. From a God, this is who I am. This is what is dominating me right now. Yeah. And I'm having a really hard time. Like, I just think that honesty is really healthy. And, you know, not to try and just jump through these perfect hoops of perfect Christian prayer or whatever. It's just, God, I'm not content. Mm-hmm. And I want to be in the right things, right? And that, that's a that's how you build that intimacy with, with God is you're just honest with him that it is a struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul said, I have learned. So I don't know about you, but I have never started something and been perfect at it at the beginning. We learn everything. Yeah. So it is a, it's a process. And, you know, we talked earlier um, about social media. Maybe it's getting rid of that for a little while. Maybe um, getting rid of some things in your life that you know trigger your discontent. Um I don't know. There, there, there's there's quite a few things. I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. No, I agree with you. I was just going to say too, is like rightfully examining your life of what are the things that I'm holding on to too tightly that I think uh, my identity or my worth or my commitment is really tied into. And then what would it look like to kind of loosen grip on that? So maybe it is social media, you know, and uh, loosening grip on that, deactivating the account, deleting that for a time, you know, just taking that away. Um, our our last podcast was over the Advent series, you know, or, or Advent in general. And so as we're even preparing and, and um, continuing on, like in our Christmas spirit, it's like, okay, gosh, if I'm going to be content on the birth of Jesus alone and him as my savior alone, how can I really, really clear the room of everything else um, so that I can just have my eyes fixed on one thing? And it, it's not something that we're just going to fall into naturally. Like you said, we don't start something and learn it perfectly. We don't just automatically come out of the womb expressing thanksgiving and contentment for all things in our life. You know, yeah. we're sinful, we're broken. And so disciplining our hearts and minds, drawing our focus back to the Lord and really being intentional about that, um, I think I, I heard time, one time, and this just came to my mind, it may be helpful or not, but I, I think playing the what if game can be really healthy sometimes. And that is, what is that one thing that you need or think you want, right, that you're not getting? Well, play the what if. What if you never get that? What then? What if that never happens or you don't get that thing? Well, then you'll get up the next morning and I'll read my Bible again and I'll go to my small group or I'll go to work. And then what you start to realize is like life will go on without that thing, Um, which I think sometimes our, our minds play tricks on us where we're like, well, if I don't get that thing, my life is over. Like, it's just, it, it's, you know, whatever. Versus like, no, Romans eight twenty eight is true today and tomorrow. And God is still good today and tomorrow and next mm-hmm. week and next year and a decade from now, he's still faithful. And so even if, right? Like that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if the Lord does not, we will not bow down. And I think that that same idea is we bow down to a lot of things, a lot of idols in our life. But what a, what a, amazing story of faithfulness from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel, where they say, listen, we will not bow down to your idols. And our world just offers a lot of idols. 
So I don't know. I don't know if the mm-hmm. what if game is helpful, but it has been helpful for me in my life. It's like, all right, what if that doesn't happen? And realizing it's going to be okay. God's still good. That's good. All right. Any other thoughts before we close out? No. Nope. That's right. it. I'm well, content with that episode. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and a good rest of the holiday season. Have a good week.